Welcome to the Do Hard Things podcast with your host, Jay Teagues. Are you ready to amplify and improve your life? Then you're in the right place. On this podcast, we have unfiltered conversations with inspiring people who take on challenges and are here to share with us their wisdom from their journey. We talk about how doing hard things enable all of us to adequately deal with life struggles and challenges and to ultimately improve the quality of our lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Do Hard Things Podcast. I'm your host, Certified High Performance Coach and Transformational Mindset Coach, Jay Teagues. And today's episode, I'm excited about this episode, it is episode number 28, Vikings and Vixens with Dustin and Tanya Johnson. Team Johnson, as I will call them, they're a power couple. I have been friends with them on social media for a few years now, followed them, met them in a uh, mutual mastermind group, and they have continually impressed me with their lifestyle, their dynamic relationship. And ultimately, when I think about transformation, physical and mindset transformation, one of the most powerful ones that I have ever seen is ultimately with Dustin. But Dustin and Tanya both talk about their transformation with themselves and their mindset and their health. And now they're helping other people not fall into the same pitfalls and make the same mistakes that they made. And they candidly share, you know, their journey with their health and wellness, their mindset, and ultimately their relationship. This is a fantastic episode. What I appreciate about them is that uh, openly share the trials and tribulations that they've had as a couple. They talk about materialism and, and they are very much essentialists. They have, they're in the process for the second time and you'll hear about this in the podcast, of selling all of their belongings and moving back into their converted small school bus and just traveling the world and having adventures. And they talk about, you know, how to help people improve their health and wellness and improve their relationships. Dustin and Tanya are both certified nutrition coaches, relationship experts, founders of Vikings and Vixens, Amazon best-selling published authors of the book, How to Live a Healthy Lifestyle, and they're just a dynamic duo. There's no doubt you'll get a lot from this episode. And before we get to the interview, real quick, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast. And I'm also going to be starting a new segment, like an Ask Me Anything segment, where I will answer questions of the audience. So if you have a burning question for me about anything, about my life or about personal growth and development or my opinion on anything or just a general comment, you can reach me at j at jteagues.com. That's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-T-I-E-G-S.com. And I'll do a segment answering your questions. Please like and reach out to me at all my social media platforms. You can find all of that in the show notes. And if you haven't joined the Facebook group, go ahead and do so. And now on to the interview. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Do Hard Things podcast. I'm your host, Jay Teagues. And today I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Team Johnson, Dustin and Tanya Johnson, who are owners of uh, Vikings and Vixens. And uh, hey, just real quick, guys, why don't you just tell us about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Actually, yesterday, I just want to coin in, I, I literally want to coin the hashtag, what would the Johnsons do? Because you just introduced <laughs> us as the Johnsons. Tanya and I do everything together. It's a true honor to be able to work with my wife, live with my wife, travel with my wife, you know, do the gym, do the whole, like, 
me and Tanya do life together. And that like when you ask both of us to be on this podcast, it, it, it means a ton to me because most people that know us by now know that the two of us come together. So I think what would Johnson's do as a uh, uh, hashtag? I think I'm going to coin that one. But anyways, my name is Dustin. I am the, the founder and CEO of Vikings and Vixens. Um, we are an online fitness community. We, we have a, a, a six different countries in, in almost all 50 states inside of our community. And we just continue to grow our ecosystem and help people ultimately build a healthy lifestyle that's sustainable for them. Yeah, and I'm Tanya, and I am also the co-founder and CEO of COO of Vikings and Vixens. And yeah, we just help people live a healthy lifestyle, and I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's freeing to, especially, you know, the last couple of years or year and a half, we've kind of been in a weird situation with health and, and being locked in and things like that. And we're, we're sort of opening up now. So, so Tanya and I actually have a, a unique opportunity that we'll get into as we get in, in farther into this podcast. But we're just excited to be here, Jay. Thanks for having us on, yes, man. Truly grateful. And I, I look forward to this conversation. Hashtag the Johnsons. Hashtag do hard things. Hashtag that's what she said. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So I invited you guys, we'd met in a mastermind group and you guys are, like you said, you guys are a power couple. When I think of like couples that are doing life together, you guys are like inseparable. You're always together. And, and you guys have had your challenges. Like so many other couples, you guys have had remarkable transformation. Like Dustin, your transformation photo. Every time I see that photo of you, overweight. I don't know if you were higher on drugs, flipping off the camera and, and how you look now. It's more than just a physical transformation. Right. You can see the, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional transformation. Every time I see that photo, it gives me like chills on the back of my neck. Cause it's I like, just whispered to her. I have chills. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful and it speaks to the work that you've done on yourself. So what I want to know from like both of you is like, where did you guys grow up? Where do you, where did you come from? How did you guys meet? You guys been married for a long time. So give us the background on where you guys got started and how you guys crossed paths. For sure. So we have a unique situation. I was actually born in South Dakota, lived there for two years and then grew up in Nebraska the rest of my life. And I was born in Farmington, New Mexico, and then grew up majority in Nebraska in the southeastern portion. Um, so we, we basically, we grew up in two different parts of Nebraska. He was more up north and I was in the far southeast corner. And we really didn't meet until I was 22. Yeah, and I was 23. We actually yeah. met at a bar. And to be honest with you, I know you hear this like silly stuff all the time, but like it was truly... I knew she was different the second I laid eyes on her and I know that she felt the same way because I felt her. And I was playing music at a jukebox at a bar. I know, great place to meet, right? And it was, but, the, it was in the town that I lived in at the time. He did not live there. Yeah, I didn't live there. I was actually moving there with a friend because I was working, excuse me, I was working for the railroad and, and we was in town and my buddy was living there and it was this quiet little town in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, man, I could, I could raise some hell here for a while. And I had literally just told my buddy maybe like three hours before, I'm like, but let's be honest, man. There's like no girls here. We're never going to like settle down and create families, right? We live in this little town of 1,200 people. Like we're never going to find anything here. And so in like six months, we should move to a big city. And he was like, okay, yeah, we could do that. And literally like three hours later, I, I, I met my wife. But 
so I'm playing, I'm playing, putting money in the jukebox, playing music, and I just had this super weird pull to turn around. You know, I like I'm having beers and, and playing pool and doing the thing. And I remember putting a dollar in the thing and just like I needed to turn around. And when I turned, it was her who walked in. And you can see the look on her face now. It's the same look she had. We literally locked eyes. I, I followed her all the way to the bar. She said some stuff to a friend of hers. She turned around. We never lost eye contact. She walked back out. I looked at my buddy and I said, man, I don't know who that girl is, but we need to hang out with her the rest of the night. And he said, we're actually headed over to her house right now. And I was like, here we go. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, what was that initial conversation like? What did you guys say to each other? Um, to be honest with you, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm as, I'm as shallow as could be. Uh, we went over to her apartment. And there was this guy, I'm going to call him a guy, I'm not going to be mean, but he was like 125 pounds, and he kept like staring. I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger guy, I'm 6'3", 200 and some pounds, you know, and he kept staring at me, and I was just kind of like, man, what's up with this guy, you know? And I, that it started coming clear to me that like he was trying to hook up with her, and he felt intimidated that I was in the room, and I was like, I already knew that she was with me, so I didn't really care, you know what I mean? And, and he had a tattoo on his arm and it was like this big by like this big. And I was like, Hey, what, what's that on your arm? And he's like, Oh, it's a tattoo. And I was like, Oh, what does it say? And he was like, well, it's like Latin and I don't really remember what it stands for. And I was like, sounds good, man. You know, and you could like, I, I feel like a dick now. Cause he was definitely like shrinking down, realizing that he had lost the game. But at the same time, man, that's like the, animal instinct like I was fighting for my girl before it was even time you know what I'm saying <laughs> and, and and to be honest it wasn't a huge fight thank God I, I wasn't in the greatest shape at the time so I got lucky that she liked me more than him is basically the gist of the story uh, that's awesome so you guys instantly connected Tanya what was that interaction like what what, what were some of the first what was the first conversation like with Dustin I honestly don't remember the first conversation. I'm going to be honest, but I do remember we ended up going back to, we left my apartment and went back to the house that he was staying at and everybody was there for like after party and him and I, we stayed up until like three in the morning, just talking. And I'd never experienced that before with, you know, like a guy who just wants to like have like meaningful conversation with you and him and I, we stayed up and like everybody else was to bed and like him and I were just staying up and we just chatted forever. And so it was that instant connection with him that I felt something way different. Um, and then we just, we hit it off immediately. And I remember <clears throat> I actually stayed at his house that yeah, night. I'm going to tell that story. <laughs> yeah. So, so we actually ended up going to bed together and, I, and I'm just, I'm just yeah. real and raw, man. I, I don't really care. But the biggest thing is, is I knew that she was different. And, and I'm sure I had, you know, had sex with women before I was married and all these things. Like, I'm not even standing here and arguing that. But when it came to her, I knew that I that wasn't an option for me. Like, I didn't want to sleep with her on the first night. I, I wanted to try something different that I had never done before. And so it came down to the first night. We both laid down in the same bed and it was kind of that awkward, like, all right, we're going to do it. And I was like, yo, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, I, I don't want to do anything with you. I, I, I appreciate you. I, I like you. And, and I want to see where this can go. I don't just want to have sex with you and hope that tomorrow we text each other and, and we move forward with life. And 
to be honest with you, like men and women who are listening, that's what sold her because I was different than everybody else. And I felt that different. Like I wanted to make our relationship different than anything I had tried before. So I just tried something different. And it, and, it, and it worked. It did. And, you know, at that time he was working um, on the road. And so he was gone during the week. So we only saw each other on weekends. So we're starting this new relationship and, and it wasn't necessarily dating at first. It was just like, we're just friends that want to hang out. And uh, we would just text each other all throughout the day, throughout the week. And then on the weekends he would come home and we would have probably like 48 hours together. If we're lucky. If we were lucky and we would make the most of it. And, um, and that's just kind of like how our relationship started. And I think like after a month is when we finally like officially made it like a thing. Yeah. We was at at the same bar and there was this little band playing and I looked over at her and said, I think I'm falling in like with you. And she looked at me and said, I think I'm I'm falling falling in love with you. And I was like, I guess we're on the same page then. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. How, how long have you guys been together then now? So we've been together 13, 13 years. years. We just, uh, June 13th, we were married 12 years. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And now it hasn't always been sunshine and roses, right? It's uh, there's sure. been some, like every relationship has challenges, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something I wanted to talk on. She said that I traveled to begin with, and now we have this dynamic where we don't want to be apart. Yeah. And basically what happened is, is we have created this. I don't want to be a part. The first 10 years of our marriage, I was literally gone six days a week. I was traveling for the railroad, building bridges all across the country or building railroad tracks. And I wasn't home. And so basically we were like a 24 hour relationship while I was home. And then she would take care of the house and the dogs and the laundry and the, she would mow the yard and all so that when I got home, I didn't have to do any of that. And so for 10 whole years, we were literally separated except for about one day out of the week. So when that 10 years, when I had enough seniority, when I had worked hard enough, when I had done enough things on the railroad and I could basically work and go anywhere I wanted to because it's a seniority based thing, I was able to then go home, be home more often, spend more time with her. And so ultimately we'll get to why I no longer work for the railroad. But, but then when, when we were getting ready to go out on our own and, and, and leave the railroad, it was our decision that I didn't want to not eat breakfast with my wife. I didn't want to not eat lunch with my wife. I didn't want to not eat dinner with my wife. And as soon as we got journey, our little dog, I knew that I didn't want to not sleep with my family every night. And so basically from that is what we built. We wanted to make sure that we were together for all of our meals to sleep together. And that way we were together. And that's, that's honestly why we've created this life. Yeah. I was going to say that that's realistically why we are inseparable now. And and people see that when we're together, it's, we do things together. We do life together because for so long, we didn't have that option. We were distant. And so, you know, in a long distance relationship, even when you're married or just dating, like there gets times when you have, it's really good in the beginning and you're texting and you're communicating and you're having all of this, but then it just, it kind of falls off. And then you don't, you don't have that communication anymore because you just, you feel separated and you are separated And so having to go through that and some of the challenges that we faced in our past to be here today and have this dynamic that we have 
it's a beautiful thing. And, and I cherish the hell out of it. Yeah. I mean, we worked our asses off to get here, to be honest with you. In them 10 years, it, it was rough. I'm running around out on the road. She's stuck at home in this little town. Like, so every day I'm with my buddies because we're all working together. So then, you know, we're going to the bars, we're going to the restaurants while she's sitting at home. And obviously there's some contention there. Um, we got to uh, real talk, you know, we got past the honeymoon stage and, and by 2009, 2000, we got married in 2009. By 2010, we were starting to be a little rocky. And to be honest with you, the bottom fell out on us in 2012. Yeah, 2012 was the rough year. Good. In 2012? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So 2012, um, so just kind of like to bring it back a little bit, I when we first met, I had just gotten diagnosed with a disease called endometriosis. And at the time it wasn't really like a well-known disease. People were still kind of like, don't really know what it is or how to treat it. They're just kind of doing things. And I was just first diagnosed. I was 22. And I told him this after, you know, we got together and in October of 2008. So we'd been together for maybe six months. um, I had another surgery. And so basically when I met Dustin, my whole life has been, surgery, 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 health problems, surgery. And so um, ultimately that endometriosis led to me having to have a hysterectomy in 2012. And that was a decision that him and I had to make together because, you know, as a married couple, you think about like kids and things like that. Well, now we have this decision to make. Can we like, what are we supposed to do here? Because I'm not in the best health at all. My life is kind of not the best. And so we, we made that decision that the best option was to do a hysterectomy so I could have quality of life. And, um, it it was pretty hard decision, but that happened in 2012. Well, in that same year is when Dustin ended up going to treatment for prescription pain pills. Yeah. So along the lines of Tanya having surgeries and all these things, I actually played in a volleyball tournament and I messed my elbow up. And she was like, Hey, I got, I got these. And I was like, what are they? And she, she handed me some pills and I took them. And I'm telling you, man, from that day, my life changed. Cause it like me, I had, I, I was zooming. It was, it was the best feeling I had had in a long time. I just felt great on these pills. And to be honest with you, it just took off from there. Um, when I checked into treatment in October of 2012, I was taking 6,000 milligrams of prescription pain pills a day wow. uh, between gabapentin and Oxycontin. And so when I went to treatment, we were completely in shambles. We owed on two vehicles, two motorcycles, a house, a credit credit card was was completely maxed maxed out. out, I mean, we we was just running hard in motorcycles, you know, doing motorcycles and and, and just running crazy, man, doing tons of drugs. Like you said, you've seen the picture of me looking like uh, a sideshow Bob with the hairdo. And And that was in 2012. Yeah. And to be honest with you, she was about to put my hair in dreadlocks. And that's the only reason my hair was all poofed up. And it's, so it's funny when everybody gets to see that. But yeah, like three hours later, I have, I'll have that photo linked. I want to I want to take your before and after and, sh- yeah. and link it in the show notes because it's incredible. Every time I see it, I'm like, holy shit, look at the transformation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like three hours later, I had an entire head full of dreadlocks that she nodded up and did. It, it was super cool. But Man, it was a lot of work, and, and, and I didn't keep on to it for very long, so then I ended up back shaving my head. <laughs> but, yeah, 2012, that, that was our roughest year um, just because we, we were a mess. Like, we were going through things mentally, physically, emotionally, 
and we were just wrecked. And so we were just trying to basically survive that year. Yeah, I would say survival. It wasn't about thriving back then, no. man. It was about just getting through the next day. Yeah. And so from that point, when I got home from treatment, it was like, okay, let's let's start building something here. Let's start building our lives back. Like you've lost a bunch of stuff. I've lost a bunch of stuff. Let's pick up the ashes and build from here. And I think in reality, like we didn't realize how bad we were. I mean, you know, we, we kind of like look back and try to like remember things and it's like, Holy cow. Like that was us. Yeah. I don't even recognize those people anymore. Yeah. So for me, uh, when, when I got back from treatment, it was, Fitness, real talk. And the reason I chose fitness is because I knew mine and her relationship wasn't awesome. But I also knew that that was going to take a really long time to store to start meshing it back together. Totally cool. I'm down for the work. I just know that it's going to take a hot minute, right? So then I'm looking at my finances. It's like, oh, you owe almost 50 grand. Well, I didn't have 50 grand. So I knew I wasn't going to pay that off today. And I knew. You know, I, 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 the biggest thing that I could do is fitness. And the reason I could do it is because fitness is free. And, and what I mean by that is you can run, jump, swim, dive, you know, flip, squat, push up, burpee, sit up. Anybody can do fitness anywhere with anything or no thing. And that was why I bought into it. I was like, yo, overweight. I'm out of shape. I'm smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I'm taking, you know, when I checked in the treatment, it was 6,000 milligrams of prescription pills, drinking, you know, I I literally grew up drinking pop. That was all we ever had. Soda, pop, wherever you're from, all we drank was pop. When you came to the Johnson's house, it was not, do you want milk or water? It was, do you want Mountain Dew or Diet Pepsi? And that's legitimately all I drank my whole life. And, and, And I was talking to her the other day. I guarantee you, I went months without drinking water. Like I would literally just drink pop 2 a.m., 2 p.m., 10. Like First just, thing we wake up. Yeah. And so learning these things and like those were the things I focused on. I didn't have money to, you know, start eating better, I thought, or I didn't have money to buy a bunch of supplements, which is what I thought. What I did have money to do was stop drinking pop or stop smoking cigarettes or slow back on, you know, them types of things. And so I switched from smoking cigarettes to chewing tobacco in 2013. And and that was a big move for me because I I literally was smoking so much. I was using Clorox wipes to wipe the tar off my fingers because my fingers were yellow. Yeah. And so when I, when we started making these decisions, it literally, my fitness started with, I'm going to drink from 12 pops to six today and then six to three, two weeks from now, and then three to one, two weeks from then, and then one every other day, you know, two weeks from then, and then shit, I don't even, I don't drink pop anymore. Like I don't have any sodas, you know what I mean? And that was legitimately how we started. Yeah. And I think that was the time that we, we decided to do that together. I think that was the first thing that we ever yeah. decided to do together because we were both a mess. He just got out of treatment. I was recovering from, I, I call it taking away my womanhood is how I felt. And so I was dealing with emotional depressive side of that. And um, fitness was like, okay, let's do this together. We can do this. And we didn't, we didn't have, we didn't have anything. We would go sometimes try to run. I remember we would go run around the park and we'd come back and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> like it was just like the beginning steps. You know what I mean? Um, but that was fitness was the first thing that where we decided like, let's do this together 
as a team. Yeah. And then obviously throughout the years, we've built our relationship as we did fitness, as we were doing life together, it just all started kind of coming together. But but to be honest with you, the reason we're passionate about fitness, the reason we are trying to help people build healthy lifestyles is because that was how we started. And it, it's the easiest one. It's the cheapest one. You can literally get fit for free. If you don't want to spend a dollar on it, a cucumber is like 42 cents. Like Anybody can eat healthy. Anybody can get fit. And I know this because I'm talking from a person who was obese, smoked three packs of cigarettes a day, and drank all the time. You know, like I have all the same excuses as everybody else. My parents are both overweight. My sister is unhealthy. I came from a family. Like I don't have the greatest genes or the biggest muscles or the strong, you know, but I put in the work and I got to where I am today, literally by taking small steps like 12 pops to six or three packs of cigarettes to two or, you know, fast food only on Wednesdays or like it, it literally was that simple for us as we built over the last years. Yeah. And I think that's was the key thing is that we didn't, we didn't just look at the big picture and try to shoot for it. It was like, what can I focus on today? What can I change today? What small steps? And that's what gradually like kept us just going and going and going. And then leading us to where we are now. Yeah. It's the, it's the slide edge. Uh, there's a book called the slide edge where, or atomic habits or any one of these habit books. It's all, you didn't get to that position overnight. You're not going to get out of there, be six pack abs and overnight either. It's the little habits. It's the compounding interest of your habits, positive or negative and taking inventory of that. That's why I think from a fitness perspective, it's so, I guess from a, a high performance coaching perspective, a lot of people say that time is your most precious asset. I disagree. I think your energy is your most precious asset because you can have, we all have 24 hours in a day, but if you're feeling like shit and not wanting to get off the couch, whether it be from your own undoing or just say, maybe you're ill, right? It doesn't matter how much time you have in the day. And we only have so much energy because as we age, you know, we get less and less energy over time. So it's a, it's a resource. Your, your body is a power plant and you have to take care of it like the engine of your car. And so you've got to invest in it. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. So the fact that you doubled down on your fitness, it enabled your your relationship to grow. Now you're making a business out of it. Now it's enhancing yeah. finances. It's, you know, right. and so fitness is a cornerstone and a pillar, I think, of anyone that wants to live a positive, healthy life because it's directly correlated to how you feel, your energy level to get things done. If you're not feeling good, it's also going to affect your mood and your energy level. Yeah. It affects every aspect of your life. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm passionate about health and wellness myself. Oh, 100% you are. And, and I mean, that's why we connect. That's why we link it. I don't have to ask you if you're ready. You don't have to ask me if I'm ready. If, if, if the two of me and you met at the gym, we would know we could get a workout in and everything would be just fine. Yeah. That, that's, that's truthfully what I pride myself on today or what I strive for is being ready for anything that life throws at me. So if you call me today and say, hey, man, we're headed to Havasu Falls, we're going to hike 50 miles, we're going to have 50 pound packs and we're going to be gone for four days. I'm just going to say, what day are we going to be there, Jay? It's not going to be like, oh, shit, I haven't trained for that. I haven't. No, I, I train for life every day. And what life throw up? If you call me up and say, hey, we're going surfing in Hawaii. Cool. I've done that. I'm ready for it. We, we can do that. And that's. That's truthfully like in our community, that's that's what we try to do is, is teach people habits to make it a lifestyle. It's not just about how much you can bench press. It's not just about this or that. Matter of fact, man, real quick, we had a really cool story the other day. A lady in our group 
she literally had the field across the street from their house catch fire. And, and two years ago, she was extremely overweight. And she straight up told me in her post, and, and me and her are good friends, is, is basically two years ago, if this would have happened, she said, I would have sat on the rear of the fire truck and watched my entire house burn because I wasn't physically able to help. Well, what happened was is their field caught on fire. Our girl had been doing the work, putting in the effort. She's lost almost 70 pounds. The fire department shows up. They're shorthanded. They got nothing. She said, give me the hose and let's get to work. She literally stood there and fought off her family's entire house and belongings in the middle of the heat of Oklahoma, in the middle of a giant fire, and was able to do so because she had prepared for what life had in store for her. And that's what, that's, that's truthfully, man, I don't give a shit how much you can deadlift. I don't care how many steps you've got, but are you are you physically able to help somebody out, pick somebody up, get someone out of the fire, you know, stop at the crash, change a tire. Like those are big things that are super important that I feel get lost when it comes to fitness. Cause we're all worried about, Oh, does he have a six pack? Oh, did he do a bodybuilding show? Oh, or is he in CrossFit games? No, he just saved his house from burning down. He just changed the tire for a 16 year old girl. Like those are, those are real life situations. And that's what I train for is real life, man. That's, that's what we're up against is real life. Yeah. Fit people are harder to kill. Life is trying to kill you all the time. So be harder to kill. I mean, from a military perspective, it's directly tied to readiness, but even beyond that, being ready, like it's not just a military operation. It's like you said, life, you could be in a natural disaster. You could have a myriad of things. It could be disease, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Sure. And, and what is the first thing that came off the shelves? Toilet paper. What about the vitamin aisle? Fully yeah. stocked. No one's yeah. even. So we fresh have an epidemic in our. Food. Go ahead. I said fresh vegetables, fresh fruit. Yeah. Me, and her, me and her were living in a school bus. I'll get to that. I promise you guys. We were living in a school bus, and every time we went to the grocery store, Jay, we was able to get $500 worth of groceries. And I don't say that bragging or that we were buying a bunch. No, we had to because we, we needed to stay out of cities and stuff. When you're living in a school bus in the middle of a pandemic, now, mind you, our school bus is, uh, is, is pretty badass. We, we, we built an awesome school bus, but that you're just drawing attention. You're bringing eyes to you. And so what we would do is literally go to the store. We would buy enough to fill our fridge, fill our freezer, fill our cooler, fill our pantry, fill a tote so that we were covered if something got crazy in the next couple of weeks. And the funny thing is, is every time we went to the grocery store, I was able to buy $500 worth of groceries. And every time I got on Facebook, everybody's like, yo, the grocery stores are empty. There's no food there. And I'm like, man. There is so much food here. It's unbelievable. And, and every time, like you obviously, you know us, it was healthy food. All the healthy food was there. The donuts was gone. The chips was gone. The Mountain Dew was gone. The beer was gone. The wine was gone. But the vegetables were there. The fruit was there. there you know, there was there was meat in the freezers and we was able to continually get good food. But every time we went to the grocery store, man, there would be people stocking up because they had just put out new chips or, or new donuts or new ho-hos. And it was just as we're walking by with a whole cart full of stuff and people are like, yo, where did you get the eggs at? And I'm like, back where they sell eggs in the corner. You know, like it, it was, it was an interesting experience for us because we were in Arizona, California, Utah, Nevada, all in the middle of it closing down. So 
we had missed some like 14 day quarantines through travel. We had missed some real big situations and, and we were truly fortunate the way we turned out that we didn't get caught in anything that was uncomfortable other than we didn't have toilet paper paper for like a month and a half. We had to use paper towels, but we, we at least had we something. Yeah. I mean, we, we were good, but paper to our toilet paper was literally in none of them five States that we were in. Yeah. No, what a crazy, it was such been such a crazy year. Yeah, for uh, sure. So let's talk about let's talk about the bus. Let's talk about your uh, essentialist, minimalist lifestyle. What compelled you to get rid of everything and move into a school bus? And tell us about the school bus. Yeah, it's funny you should ask because we were talking about our relationship and all that uh, leading up to uh, selling everything. And when I say everything, I mean we went from a three bedroom, two bathroom home with an entire full gym in the basement. I had. A wrestling mat. I had 900 pounds. Like we had a full gym in our basement. We sold everything. We literally got down to six totes worth of stuff, two, two suitcases worth of clothes and a cooler for food. That was all we left with. And the reason that we got there is, is about six or eight months before we actually headed out. Uh, Tanya and I were not on the greatest terms as far as sexuality. Um, and what I mean by that is she had had a hysterectomy. Yeah. We had both fought through, you know, some addiction and, and, and disease and debt and all these things. Right. But it didn't just clear up overnight. And, and, and part of our hang up was back in 2012 when we were running around crazy. I truly would flirt with other women and, and, and Tanya would be sitting on my lap and I would honestly be flirting with another woman. And so with that, we, I mean, we were married, but obviously there was some pain in there. There was some hurt in there that we've had to deal with between the two of us. And so when it came to 2017, we were at a stage where I needed affection and she couldn't have gave a fuck less. Yeah. And, and, and I was kind of like, you know, I, I my need- sex drive was just gone. Yeah. Like and, I didn't really have one. And mine, one was, was from the hysterectomy. and mine was 200%, you know? And, and so it was like, it we couldn't have been further opposite from each other. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable because it was like, babe. And she's like, no. And I'm just like, fuck man, I, I need something. And, and, and what I really needed actually shows up here in a little bit. But so what happened was, is we sat down and I'm like, yo, I have needs and we need to get these needs filled. You have needs and we need to get them needs filled. And she was like, okay, what do we need to do? And we basically sat down and planned out how I was going to hook up with another girl and we were going to remain married, but basically like sleep with this woman, come home to me type of shit. And we agreed to it. It was cool. Everything was good. No like infidelity or anything. But I started kind of like seeing this girl, like not, I don't know. I spent 15 minutes with her total, but I had another woman in another town that was two hours from where we lived. It was where I was working. We had a good setup. It was the perfect fix. And so the week that we decided, like, go for it, go through with it, sleep with this woman. This is going to be awesome. I left Monday morning and it was like, all right, man, love you. And the plan was for me to go ahead and be with this woman that week. And, and from my standpoint, it was like, I felt I had to do that for him because I was doing a disservice as his wife, as his partner, that I couldn't fill his needs. So I felt like I didn't want it to happen, but it was like I needed to for him. And so when he left that morning, 
I remember I went to work and the whole time I'm thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, am I really going to let him sleep with another fucking woman? Like, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? And, um, I was just like in tears. And I remember I texted him, I was at work and I was like, babe, don't do it. Do not go through with it. I can't, I cannot have you do this. Cause I knew if I, if I let that happen, I could never live with myself and I would never look at our marriage the same ever again. And so I, I, I texted him that and he was like, okay. And, um, he, you came home later that week. So, yeah. so like we, we had that conversation, like, no, don't do it. And this was on Monday. And then he came home on Thursday. So this whole time frame, like we never really talked to each other. And so I remember I was thinking like, fuck, did I piss him off? Like, is he going to be upset with me? Like, what was going on here? And then he came home and he basically told me that he needed me to say that. Wow. He needed his wife back to show that he, like that I actually cared about our marriage. And so it, it really worked out the way that it needed to. Yeah. For me, man, I just needed some fight. Like, you, you know what it's like, like you get in the d- depths of a workout or you get in the depths of some shit. You got to have some fight in you. And her fight was gone. You like, she wasn't fighting for us anymore. It wasn't like a me and you thing. It was like, you go your way. I'll go mine and we'll meet in the middle when we come back. Yeah. Cause we were basically like roommates. Yeah. Realistically, we lived for a while as roommates and we that slept was, in the same bed. We slept in the same bed, but we were roommates. Yeah. Matter of fact, we had separate bank accounts until we hit the road. Yeah. And so like we just lived as roommates that made love once in a while or truthfully had sex That's once sex. in a while yeah. and, and move forward with life. And so after she came to me, after she texted me, I, I literally took the next four days to just kind of play everything through. And when I came home, it was honestly the best thing that she had ever said to me. Cause then I was like, look, if you're telling me, no, like don't go with that woman, then that means you want me to be with you. So if you want me to be with you, let's fight, let's stand together. Let's do this together. Let's we and us is what we like to call it. Like when we were fighting, when we were not getting along, it was always, well, it's your fault or it's my fault. And when we started arguing, like we need to fix this and this is an us thing, everything changed for us. And so along the way, as we had worked through the girl thing and we decided like, let's give this a shot. Let's build this marriage to be the best marriage that we know how to build. My parents have been married 49 years. Her parents have been married 41 years. So we know what it takes, right? Because we've been involved with it our whole lives. And I can't tell you that my parents' marriage was perfect. She can't tell you that her parents' marriage was perfect. But I can't tell you that my marriage is perfect either. So we can't be judgy, but we do know what it looks like and we know what it takes to get there. And so we basically looked at each other and agreed, let's go, let's go see the world. I was traveling with the railroad. The railroad was paying for our motels. So we literally sold everything we owned, got down to six totes in in two suitcases, and we hit the road. And what happened was, is we built an amazing relationship along the way. Because we started dating each other. We started learning about each other. We had never lived with each other before, other than a day or two at a time. And so we started living with each other in a 150-square-foot motel room, day in and day out. Every day in the morning, we had breakfast together. Every dinner, we had dinner together. And every night, we slept together. But I had to go to work, so we were missing lunch. 
and we were, we were learning how to communicate with each other. Um, and yeah, realistically all of 2018, when we first started traveling that, that full year, like he said, it was basic. I like to say it was like one of my most memorable years because we were literally dating each other. There was nothing that we turned down. If there was something we wanted to do, yep, let's go. Yep, let's go. And we traveled all over. We went to 25 different states, seen and did so much stuff. And we just learned about each other and how to live with each other, how to be with each other. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Yeah. And so that ultimately was what drove us to sell all of our stuff. The cool thing is, is before Tanya and I got married, up until the day we left, between the two of us, we've moved 42 times. And so I'm used to like getting rid of stuff. I'm used to being on the move. I'm used to being on the run. And so that that was normal for both of us. So when it was like we've traveled 2018, we're in a pickup truck and we got our stuff and, and we're having a great time and seeing everything. And we went to Havasu Falls, which is a 50 mile hike with 50 pound packs in four days. And absolutely breathtaking. It, it, it was, yeah, it was the first time that God kind of came back into my life, man. I like, I could feel his presence there. It was truly life changing. And while we were there, I noticed these people at like 2 a.m. open their van door and a light turned on. And we had seen like tiny homes and shit, but I had never thought of like vehicle live. Well, I realized as me and her were trying to sleep in the front seat of our pickup before we went in on this hike that people were living in vehicles. And I was like, yo, do you know how many miles and hours and days we waste going from motel to where we want to go back to the motel to where we want to go? I said, we need a vehicle that we can stay in the shit is what I like to call it. So if you get to the forest, I want to stay in the shit. I ain't trying to go back to the motel tonight. I want to stay in the shit. And that was truthfully the beginning of the first bus. We, we bought us, we traded our truck in, got a school bus, ripped the seats out, turned it into a weekend warrior wagon and we beat the crap out of it. Like we went everywhere in it and it was an awesome bus. And along the way, it was like, yo, I think if we got a little bit bigger one, like we, we could live in one, like we could do this, do this, not like just work for the railroad and do it on the weekends, but like we could do this. Uh, we went to a tiny home festival Seen a bus that was similar to something like we wanted. I got on Craigslist the next day, found the exact bus that I wanted, was able to pick it up. We brought it back to Denver because that's where I was working at the time. And over the next six months, we got it in July of 2019. Over the next six months, Tanya and I built a yellow school bus into a mint green luxury home. Um it's got a full queen size bed, uh, fridge, freezer, full kitchen with stove and oven, uh, large sink. We have a bathroom. Like, and it, this is all in a hundred square feet. And when you ask about like relationships and things like that, to be honest with you, when it comes to a relationship, it is a hundred percent, hundred percent. And when you get into a hundred square feet, there's nowhere to go. So you either hash it out. Or you hash it out because you've got nowhere to go in your house. You can go upstairs or downstairs or out there or in there, in the garage or whatever. In the bus, uh, you can touch each other no matter where you are in the bus. One of you can go outside if you want. Sure. But ultimately, you go right back to the same. Yeah, there's not a hiding spot. And so for our relationship, we had to build. There was no other option. And that's how you get the... 
the field that we have today, the electricity, the, the power couple, so to speak, is we literally put ourselves to the fire and sat there until it was like, shit, I'm hot enough. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Let's let's try this out, man. And, and, and that was honestly how we built our relationship. It's how we built our bodies back. It's how we built a business is, is literally the two of us putting ourselves on fire and just doing it. I wanted to take a quick break and invite you to an exclusive community I host called The Forge. One of my favorite proverbs is, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another. The Forge is a mastermind, a community of men and women who are invested in their personal growth and development. They want to improve themselves, to be better husbands, to be better wives, to be better parents to their kids, to add value to their team and lead better at work, and to add more value into their community. In The Forge, I teach principles and habits of the world's highest achievers and performers, and as a group, we identify goals, develop strategies to achieve them, and hold one another accountable. We focus on improving our health, our wellness, our wealth, our relationships, and living in alignment with our purpose. We work together to focus on what truly matters and have a place where we can discuss difficult topics about life. If you're interested in learning more, go on over to www.jteagues.com forward slash community, where you can learn more about The Forge, you can learn more about my one-on-one coaching experience, sign up for the newsletter, and check out the blog while you're at it. Now back to the show. Yeah, you guys have went from one extreme to the other, and it's all intertwined together. And I like how you have portrayed the story. So it's really interesting to see how it has all unfolded. For sure. So for someone that's listening, yeah. that's, that's in that relationship that they're in a roommate situation. I've, yeah. I've been there. I've lived that. What advice would you give someone to get their relationship back on track? Go ahead. My first answer is start dating your spouse. Because I, I can, oh, go ahead. I said I, I I coach individuals and I talk to them and it's like, when was the last time you had a date night with your spouse? It's been months, months, yeah, months, and they wonder why they're just roommates. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not exactly. saying I'm not saying just going on a date. Like it has to be an intentional date. So like one of the things, the stipulations that we have set for ourselves is when we do date night. And we've made it a weekly occurrence. Every week we have a date night. It doesn't matter if it's inside at the house, if it's going out somewhere, if it's in a park, it doesn't matter. But in that time frame, there is no distraction. You don't go on your phone. You don't sit at the restaurant waiting for your food. And all of both of you are sitting on your phone, Facebooking, Instagram, whatever it is. Ask deep conversations with each other. Get to know each other. Because even though we've been married for 12 years, I remember last year we sat, uh, we went on a date night at a Mexican restaurant and we, we were just asking each other like deep questions, deep, deep questions. And And what I mean by that is tell me the biggest thing that I do that you absolutely hate. Mm -hmm. And when your partner sits across from you and starts telling you like, yo, this, this, and this, you could pick up. It's life changing. That is, that is, what I consider her is a mirror of me. Like she will tell me what she sees and I will tell her what she sees. I'm not afraid to tell her she's a fucking liar. She's not afraid to tell me I'm a fucking liar. I will call her on her shit. She will call me on mine. And that is just a stipulation of our relationship at this point. We've, we've burnt everything to get to right here where I can now stand here and say, 
that's bullshit. Yep. We can do better. And we, this is fucking bullshit. We can do more or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we, we just, we don't tolerate bullshit. Like it's straight to the point, but dating your spouse is a start. Like that would be my first starting point. If you're having the, the, where you feel like your roommates and your, your passion is gone, start dating each other because we get to a point when we first meet each other, you're excited. You're wanting to go on dates. You're wanting to learn about each other. And then you get into the comfort stage where then you just like for us, it was we'll sit down on the couch. Let's watch Netflix. We let's, both got fat. Yeah. We both watched TV. We both did nothing. We had no drive, no desire, no nothing. So you put yourself in that position to be just roommates because you're, you're not giving any, you're not bringing any passion. You're not bringing anything to life there. Yeah. And so start dating each other, make it a once a week thing, set a schedule, even if it's for 20 minutes. I know everybody has busy schedules or some people have kids, but even if you could set aside 20 minutes with each other, sometimes even 10, just to have an intimate moment with each other, whether that's just asking each other or checking in on each other, however it is, but spending good quality time with each other is a start. Yeah. And mine's the complete opposite. I like what she said and I totally agree with her. So what I mean by that is start with yourself. And, and, I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I, I, when I was on drugs, I remember coming home and my mom saying, you weren't the same person. And I said, no, I wasn't. The reason was, is I've told her I didn't love her then. I didn't love my parents. I didn't love God. I didn't love anything because I didn't love myself. And in order for me to fix anything or, or change anything, I needed fixed in myself and I couldn't like, yo, we need to fix our shitty relationship if I'm still part of the shitty relationship. And so again, like doing the fitness and, and, and planning goals together and, and, and working on each other together is my opinion. Like I started reading books. We started posting on social media. I know it seems dumb, but like, we have a ton of content on social media because we just committed to doing it together. You know, we have over 200 videos on our YouTube channel with our boss. We have, you know, just tons and tons of content. And because we did it together, we fixed our relationship. And that's, that's the biggest thing is we've done everything together. We literally still to this day, go to the gym together. We work together. We build together. We do everything together. So I always have a partner to bounce something off of, a teammate to cry with, a person to hold, you know, hang my hat on or whatever. Like I have a built in teammate, partner, friend, lover all the time. I, and, and we can do anything together and we can say anything. And we know that we're in good company and that we're ultimately all that. Like Vikings and Vixens relies on us, our social media, our businesses, our lives is us. And that's what we've bought into. And that's what we're sold on is I want to do everything. I want to everything. I want to do it all with my wife. I also want to uh, include in there too: be open to receive feedback from your significant other and learn to not take things personally when they say things, because your partner shouldn't be, but isn't out to get you like no, they're not yeah. out there to, to um, make you a bad person or whatever. So be open to receive some of the feedback that you um, may need to help you become a better person. So like, if he's saying, you know, Hey, you maybe you're lacking in these areas. Cool. Okay. What can I do to make that better? 
So it's just, it really comes down to communication. Yeah. Period. Communication. Yep. But yeah, and then to be honest with you, if you combine both of what we have to say, get to work. We were talking about this the other day. The first six months of a, of a relationship, man, you're doing everything you can. You're buying flowers. You're opening their door. You're, you know, you're texting them good night and I love you and all this shit. And then at six months and one day, you don't send one text and then you don't send the second one. And this week I skip flowers. And, well, we don't really got money to go out on date night. And, and you can see how it just 10 years later, you turn around and it's like, holy shit, we haven't been on a date in five years. We haven't, you haven't bought me flowers to be out. I'm sitting here. I, I legitimately buy Tanya flowers every Sunday. Just, I like the color in my house. It doesn't matter if we're living in the bus or like currently we're living in an apartment, but like, them little gestures. She, she made me a, a, a heart the other day out of sticky notes on my mirror. It's shit like that, dude. I it's promise you it's not the black tie affair and the fancy dinners and shit. Cook a grilled cheese at 2 a.m. Set your alarm for 2 a.m. while the kids are sleeping. Cook a grilled cheese. Go outside and look at the stars and feed each other a grilled cheese. Your relationship will be 100% fucking better when you're done. And I don't care if you have the best relationship in the world. Try even, it. even if it's that you're out shopping and you see something like, oh, that reminds me of them. I'm going to buy that and bring it for them. Like it's just, it's the little things that you don't even think about that matter the most. Yeah, I totally agree. We all think it's, you know, the, oh, I got her a Cadillac for her birthday. Now she doesn't give a shit about a Cadillac for her birthday. No. What she would love is a set of flowers on Tuesday. Yeah. Also too, I would take a love language test. We did that. Yeah. Three, four years ago? We've done it several times. Yeah, I mean, it, does, it does change. But taking that to know about your partner, what their areas are. So, like, mine is quality time and, uh, frick, I can't remember the other one, um, touch. Yeah. So, those are mine. And so, like, when you know what those are, your partner then can know, like, that's what they need. Yeah. That's what they, so you're not doing the wrong things. Right. Like if, if my thing is not, um, gifts, gifts, like, I don't want you to buy me gifts to, to make me feel good or whatever, because I don't care about that. So it, it's learning that part about your significant other as well. That would truly help. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because this just came up on a recent podcast. It's a topic in my group, the forge, we have the love language test. Everyone takes it. Oftentimes people think that their love language is, They'll, they'll put that out there for their partner. It might be two different love languages. So you may think that you're giving them, showering them with love because it's what you perceive to be love. And the acts of service, that that's the one that drives me kind of crazy. It's kind of, if I vacuum the living room floor, that's going to make you feel loved, you know? So sometimes it might actually be work that you have to do. You've got to be intentionally, intentionally deposit into their love account because that's what happens is after about 18 months, you lose that uh, puppy love stage and then reality hits and you kind of now now it's doing the work and knowing the love language and and being intentional about that every single day and making intentional time weekly blocking time for that relationship is incredibly important on the head. I could, I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's one thing that her and I have always been good with is there is no like he chores and she chores. Like we're all fucking adults here, carry your own weight and let's get through this shit together so that when we're done with the chores, we can go do whatever the fuck we want. But so many people get caught up in the need, right? 
I don't need Tanya one fucking bit. And I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I don't need her at all. And she doesn't need me. I can create my own money. She can create her own money. I can create my own lifestyle. She can create her own lifestyle. Together, we are a better dynamic. And I want her in my life. But I can do my own dishes. I can wash my own laundry. I can wipe my own ass. I can vacuum, shower. I can take care of myself. And she can take care of herself. The problem is, is we get into a situation where you become needy. One's not carrying their weight and they need the other person to do this or they need the other person to do that. And when you're needy, you're fucked. So yeah. don't be needy. And that's why I say work on yourself first. And I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I do the dishes every day. I cook every day. I will clean, cook, whatever. That shit, I don't have a, well, the woman cooks and the guy does the yard work. No, fuck all that. Let's get it all done so we can go do what we want to do. Yeah. And, and, and the two of us, wanting the same things to be done and the two of us wanting each other to be a part of it creates that desire to like shit we need to wipe the table down and put the dishes away so we can go do this and then it's exciting it's fun it's not that like well shit tanya's got dishes and laundry and vacuuming babe are you almost done yeah i guess i'll go (laughs) sit by the pool until she's done and then we'll try to go out to dinner or something you know there's this weird thing that happens where I expect the other person to like do the laundry or do the dishes or pick up after the kids. I didn't articulate that need. They don't do it. So I get pissed off and now I withhold sex from them. That's what happens in relationships. That's why people are getting divorced in droves. Now we, we don't communicate uh, our, what we want. We don't, we're not, it's the teamwork dynamic and you guys have mastered the ability to gel together as a team and, and be intentional about your relationship. And it shows in every aspect. I love watching you guys on social media. You guys show your date nights and you, I mean, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to go follow the Johnsons because Uh they are, I mean, you, you guys have a very interesting lifestyle. It's interesting to watch, but your what I appreciate most about you guys is, is your relationship and you guys are a power couple. And of all the things that you guys do, I am most impressed with the consistency with that. And I think it's awesome. Thanks, Thank man. You. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And that's the God's honest truth. Number one, there's not a book to tell you how to get through a hysterectomy, drug addiction, debt, depression, all in one year. You know, there's, there's, there's not like, like I said, we had good people that show like my parents, 49 years, her parents, 41 years. That's a good, that's a good thing. But when you're in the middle of like, yo, fuck you and fuck you, that shit doesn't mean nothing. Like how do we fix this right now? And there's not a book. There's not a movie. There's not a person. It basically comes down to, are you going to quit? are you going to make it work? And that, that was where we were. Are we quitting this or are we doing this? And if you say you're doing this, then don't ever fucking tell me you're going to quit. Cause now once like we, we married each other, we said, I do in front of everybody. And it was cute and the whole thing. Now we're 10 years into this. Then people ain't sending us gifts no more. They don't give a fuck. You don't even talk to half of them anymore. You know, like 10 years is a long time when it comes to people and, and, and networking and things like that. And, and to be, yeah, like we don't even talk to half the people that were in our wedding just because you move on and, and you keep going. And that's what's crazy is when we get 10 years down the road, then people don't give a shit no more. And now it's the two of you. What are you going to do about it? And that's where we like to say it's just you and me. Like, we're all we got right now. Like, 
What do we need to do to get through this? There's no one coming to save you. There's no one coming to fix this. You can't call your mom and dad and like, yo, could you Western Union us $200? (laughs) No, like you're on your fucking own. And when you're on your own, it makes it more difficult. Uh, Don't get me wrong. It's hard as fuck. But when you wake up the next morning and you look at each other and it's like, yo, we made it another day. Like, celebrate life man we here we are we woke up let's head to the let's do what we do best let's let's spread some love and do johnson shit (laughs) (laughs) do johnson shit i love it that's awesome well speaking of do johnson shit what do you guys what's in your future you guys are uh you're 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 basically selling everything again you're loading back up in the bus what's in the what are you guys working on yeah, so we, we basically took a year off of, of living in the school bus because of the coronavirus. Uh, they were closing the national parks. Like I said, going from state to state was getting weird, and they were quarantining and doing all kinds of weird shit. And it was just a lot. There was a lot of uh, uncertainty, to be honest with you. And so we ended up taking uh, uh, some work here and doing some things and, and truly settled down in Bluffdale, Utah. We bought a couch. We did the thing. We've been here for a year. August 16th, our lease is up. We're headed back into the bus and we're actually going on tour. And I know that seems weird because it's like you already live in the bus, but we're going on a tour to 10 different cities, to 10 different parks, and we're actually going to throw a a fitness event. So we're going to do a group workout. We're going to do a nutrition seminar. We're going to have some fun and some games and, you know, some giveaways and things like that. But, but since the last year has been so hard, man, and everybody's kind of opening up and, and cities are, you know, people are getting out and about, we just truly want to portray how important our health is, how important our communities are, how important it is to get involved with our health from a young age all the way up. You know, the, the more the fast food, the more the, the virus and, and the thing is, is pushing forward, the more need there is for health and wellness as a society. And so we're going on tour to preach health and wellness, to be honest with you. And teach people how to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And, 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 and so, yeah, we have 10 stops here from September to December that we're going to do. We're super excited about it. Um, we're picking up some sponsors. We're, we're having some fun. And we're actually going to do an afternoon VIP mastermind where we're going to dive into building healthy lifestyles with our clients and and helping people get straightened out. I just have a huge passion for helping people and health, man. It's it's truly the best investment we can make. So Tanya and I are investing our time, our travels, our money into society. And we, we truly just want people to live a better lifestyle. No, it's fantastic. And I'll link all of your contact information in the show notes for anyone that would like to connect with you. And I would encourage them to reach out and, uh, you know, try to go make it to one of the events. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to do something really cool. The the morning event's actually going to be free. We're teaming up with the Champion Shoes. They're a, a nonprofit. It's a friend of ours, Mike Claudio. He provides shoes for kids for sports and things that that ultimately can't. And everybody knows what it's like to tie on a new pair of shoes. I remember the Sandlot when my man pulls out the PF Flyers box and he ties them shoes on and immediately, you know, five miles an hour faster. Everybody knows that feeling or we hope that everybody knows that feeling. But for the kids that haven't felt that feeling, a champion shoes provides them shoes for them and gives them that feel like there's nothing better than a fresh pair of socks and a brand new pair of PF flyers to run around the baseball field in. And so 
what we're going to do is the, the morning events are going to be free. We're, we're, we're going to the city parks. We're, we're, we're taking to the streets. And we're actually the only thing is we're going to ask for donations to a champion shoes so we can get some kids in some shoes. We can get some health and fitness out into the public and we can have a freaking good life. People just want to have fun right now. And, and we want to have a party with them. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're bringing forward. Oh, that's great. A couple, a couple more questions. Sure. Um, what book has made the greatest impact on you or the book maybe you've gifted the most? Hmm. It's a really good question. I want to say for me, Mastery of Self by Don Miguel Ruiz, just because it really helped me dive into me and um, learning more about myself and becoming a better version of me. So that that's the one that just comes to my mind. I mean, there's a lot of great books that I've read over the last couple of years, but that one just kind of sticks out to me right now. For me, I think the biggest life-changing book I ever put my hands on was Narcotics Anonymous. When I picked that book up, it was the beginning of, you know, meetings and coins and chips and three years. I, I basically stayed completely sober for three years after I left treatment. And, you know, having having the, the small prescription pills just I've never felt less of a man, six foot three, 220 pounds. I got beat by a pill the size of a Tic Tac. And that always fucked me up. Like, man, I lost to something, you know, a a 64th of my size. And and, and I I truly couldn't control it one bit. So when I opened the books of Narcotics Anonymous for the first time and started going to meetings and, and, and doing, getting the sponsor and doing the work, like that was the beginning of me starting to do the work, so to speak, and do the hard things, as you would say. It, that, that was it for me. So I, I, I'm sure not too many people are going to go go look for the NA book. But for me, like I, I literally studied it and, and lived by it for three full years before I realized, like, I'm good here. I, I feel really good. I've been to these meetings. I, I, I led my own meetings. You know, I, I had sponsors and the whole thing. I just felt stuck and it was time for me to move forward with life. And so I, I, I don't no longer go to meetings. I don't know, but that core, that foundation that I built while I was there has been astronomical and it's truthfully why I'm where I am today. I, I should be dead. Yeah. Well, someone might be listening to this that might be on that path and yeah. had that had you not had that intervention or maybe that book had not made it into your life. You could end up being dead. So people die every day from from the stuff. You yeah. didn't have that intervention or didn't have that aha moment. That's why th- books are so incredibly powerful. For One sure. book can transform your life, you know, and Absolutely. you each mentioned a book that resonated with you. So yeah. Yeah. how has coaching and being involved in masterminds changed your life? Uh, tremendously. Yeah. Absolutely. Tremendously. And, 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 you know, obviously we are, we run our own coaching groups now. So it's fun to have went from the student to the teacher, at least in one aspect of life. And like you said, like Tanya and I teach in all aspects of life. It's just a matter of right now, our focus is on fitness, but being a coach in I'm like, I'm an expert at seeing people's strong suits and seeing what turns them on. Like, I can watch a conversation and immediately I can see it in their eyes or, or I can feel their energy. That like, yeah, if you bring something up and it hits them, I'm like, yo, that's your thing right there. Like the other day when me and you were talking and you were like, oh, I'm trying to come up with a name for this and that. And yeah. said, that's what I get. It was immediately like, Jay, shut up, shut up, Jay, Jay, shut up. 
you need to use this. And he was like, I did. And we both got chills in that moment. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. And and so I like, I actually experienced that a lot. And, and, and so connecting with people on that level and being able to see it's, and you know, entrepreneur and, and trying to figure out your purpose and, and what you want to do in life. It's probably one of the hardest things ever, unless you would just listen to your own instincts and your own personality, right? Because most people, when you touch that one thing that really gets them, they're like, oh yeah, I can do this and this and this and this. And it's so cool when you finally reach that little spot, you know, like, you excel at being a mother. Like you truly love your kid and, and like their eyes light up like, oh yeah, I got a three-year-old, a five-year-old. And it's like, there is your purpose. That is what you are good at. Chase that, follow that and do everything you can to be the best at it. You know what I mean? And so, so for me, my coaches have done the same for me, pulled that shit out of me. And, and, and I've learned so much about myself along with business and life. Just getting other people's perspectives, paying like you got to put money in the game for everything. Right. So so having that money in the game, learning and growing, going and networking at these events and, and finding the people that you can like do life with. Find the people that fit you. Find the people that feel good. Because like at the end of the day, we're all saying the same shit. Every coach is saying the same thing. But some people just resonate with someone else different. Somebody says something and it's like, click. And then we've all said it. We've been to several different gyms. And one coach will turn around and be like, hey, Tanya, if you move your foot out to the right one little bit, you can do this. And she'll just look at me like, yeah, I could have been doing this two years ago. I'm like, do you know how many times I've told you that? Sure. But he said it differently. It clicked with her. And so that like coaching just helps us find them clicks faster. And the faster you find them clicks, the faster you're moving forward through the shit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, coaching has fundamentally transformed my life. That's where we ultimately met only 10% of people engage in personal development. And it's, you can read, you can listen to podcasts, but you're doing that self-study. But when you're around a tribe of people that are clapping, when you win, you're, you're getting a different perspective from other people. And that, that group learning that happens will fundamentally transform your life. And every dollar that I've invested in, in coaching has fundamentally transformed my life. Yes, some coaches are expensive. Some programs are expensive. But sure. how can you put a price tag on increasing your relationship, bettering your relationship or your health or your happiness? There's no sure. price tag for that. At the end of the day, money is just money. But every dollar that I've invested is coming back to me some other way tenfold. And it's incredibly powerful. And so- yeah. Hundred percent. Tanya and I, uh, as well as our dog, we we spent probably twenty thousand dollars last year just in coaching, coaching for me, coaching for her, and, and training for Journey. We we paid thirty five hundred bucks just to have our dog trained. And a lot of people will say, "Why would you do that?" Because I walk with my dog off leash. Every dog that's on a leash attacks her, and she just looks at them like they're stupid as we walk by. Like having the training for me, if it's important for me to be my best and it's important for her to be her best and it's important for my dog to be their best. There's nothing worse than a dog that pulls on the leash and jumps all over and you can't control them. So we invested in our dog and got her the training that she needed that now ultimately we're running 25, 30 minutes a day down the sidewalk, passing people with a dog with no leash that runs in between Tanya and I, and we, we do it every day. And so Having that 
consistency, having that coaching, it's something we truly believe in. And it's why we invest in coaches. A lot of people think like, oh, you're a coach. He doesn't have a coach. I assure you, I'm coaching five or six different areas of my life. Uh, One in faith, one in business, one in life itself. Like, yeah, we we have a ton of coaches and and I can truly attest to whatever everybody calls success. Like, oh, you guys are killing it or you guys are, you know, on the come up. I don't know about all that. All I know is I've invested heavily in coaching and it has invested heavily into me. If you have a coach that doesn't have a coach, you have the wrong coach. Yes. Because uh-huh. yes. they don't believe enough in coaching enough to, to invest in it. It's right. fundamentally transformed my life and continues to do so. I've got a group coaching program, an individual coach and a therapist. Yeah. And that- the crazy thing is, is because you understand that and because you have coaches, more people are apt to work with you because you're still learning. You're still growing. If you stop learning and growing, well, then you're virtually dead. You know what I mean? You just might still be breathing. Yeah. Tanya, you're about to say something. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Yeah. I was just going to say that I, I think like with coaching, the beautiful thing about it is it helps open up like the possibilities that you don't ever see. So you have somebody there to help you. They just like open up your mind to the possibilities that are possible for you. And, um, that's been really key for us in learning and growing so we can move forward because there's so many things that, you know, like with business, we didn't know crap about business. We grew up, my parents don't run a business. His parents don't run a business. We don't know anything about running a business. So when you hire somebody to help coach you in that aspect, they open up these possibilities for you that you don't even think about. And so that helps you move to the next level. Like, Oh, I can do that. I can do whatever. Or it just like pops an idea into your head. So you're like, oh, I know how to move forward with this or maybe I want to do this. And it's just kind of a beautiful thing to have other people's perspective to kind of plant that seed in your brain. But absolutely, the last thing I want to touch on coaching is a coach can only take somebody as far as what they've been through. Yes. And so what I mean by that is if you're getting financial advice from a homeless person that has no money, you're probably not going to be super successful. If you want financial advice, go to a person that has a bunch of finances. If you want fitness advice, go to a person that's fit or fitter than you. I, I, I am fit, but there's there's a million coaches that are way bigger, way stronger, way faster, way fitter. And I'm good with that. But 99% of the clients I work with started somewhere from the point that I was in between the point that I am and I can show them exactly how I got to where I am today, but I can't get them to the stage of Mr. Olympia or to the CrossFit open or whatever, because I've never been there. I can help them along the way, but a coach can never take anybody farther than what they've taken themselves. And when you talk about investing and you talk about coaching and stuff like that, to me, the more that I invest the more that I learn, the more that I grow, the more you can charge, the more that you bring forward, the more value that you have. And you have to go through them to be able to get the things that you need out of your coaching business or out of your coach himself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I believe wholeheartedly everything you're saying. That awesome. makes sense. Perfect. Now, our, we're, we're about an hour 10. So one final question. I always like to, to pass the mic off and, and, and do a role reversal. So I just want to Turn it over to you. What questions do you have? Do you have any questions for me? Yes. What would be the one thing that you could attest to 
that caused your divorce. Oh man. And you, you wanted to know the yeah. other side. Now it was ultimately not investing in the time, not depositing, not understanding the love language and showing up consistently after the honeymoon stage and just getting comfortable, getting comfortable in the relationship and just not dating and growing and drifting apart. And, you know, ultimately staying in the relationship for the kids and it, you know, we're better off as friends now and we get along and it's very cordial, but going back in time, it was not investing in each other and making it a priority, not making the relationship a priority and getting comfortable and not dating and not knowing the love languages Hindsight being 2020. I mean, th- this is th- you would think that this stuff is basic stuff that's taught, but it's not. No one talks about it. No, no. one talks about it. I didn't learn about this until I was late 30s after my divorce, right? I like I, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen again. So right. and unfortunately, we often learn when it's too late. So um, yeah, I mean, if I could pinpoint anything, it's it's that just being lazy and complacent. I love that though, too, because a lot of people say, Oh, it's money or it's sex, or it's uh, the government, or he's lazy, or we grew apart, which everybody would agree to. And the moral of my story is I've done all of them things with her. We just never got divorced. And the, the, the difference is, is we focus on while well, we didn't have, we always fought about money. Now you didn't fight about money. Your relation, you never made the deposits and it didn't have shit to do with money. I, I guarantee you this woman standing next to me, if if I had $10 million or if I owed $10 million and had nothing, she would still be standing next to me. You know what I'm saying? And so the biggest thing I see is we make excuses for what the divorce actually happened or why the relate. You didn't make an excuse. You were like, because I wasn't making the deposits. But it would have been real easy for you to say, oh, you know, we fought about money and we didn't have sex very often. Oh, yeah. Oh, you she's a bitch. Ah, oh, she did that. You hear Correct. people. Hey, what happened in your relationship? Oh, well, they're, you know, whatever, I, you know, I take ownership for it. it, it yeah, it's yeah. the relationship. That, both that's parties. Yeah. That's the answer is you Thank took you ownership. ownership. That's, yeah. the, that's the biggest thing I have for relationship advice. I'm responsible for every fucking thing that happens inside of this house, whether she yeah. does it or says it, it's my responsibility. And if yeah. she takes that same responsibility, we're good no matter what happens. If both of us are responsible for what happens under this roof and everything outside of it, we're good. Yep. A good leader, commander, CEO, you're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen within your scope. And if you don't lead anyone, it's just yourself. You're still leading yourself. Sure. And the, the real change happens when you take ownership of your shortcomings. And, you know, ultimately, that's what happened. I, fa- I failed. I, I failed to show up like I should have. Sure. And, but I, I can appreciate that way more than you telling me some other bullshit story. Yeah. What about you? I don't even know. What? I got one more question for you. Then. Sure. You got a, you got a Toyota with a, with a rooftop uh, tent. You like to travel like we do. You know, uh, like you said, I'll, I'll send you a clip of the, the little bus. we got a minute clip that you can add to this and all that. But like, we love waking up to a different backyard every day. And so moving us back into the bus and, and, and all that, that's exciting for us. But I, I, what, what's the coolest trip you've taken in your Toyota and, and woke up to or, or something like that? So the, the term, I believe, is overlanding. It's, it's become yeah. a popular term, vehicle-dependent travel. Now, a lot of people, 
in that in that space have gotten it confused with off-roading and four-wheel drive. So there's like right. a more about the travel. It doesn't yeah. matter what vehicle you bring, but so many people right. get really caught up in the rigs. Now, for me, I, I love my Toyota because I can take it anywhere. I've had pull behind RVs. I love being out in nature. Probably the coolest trip so far was going up to the Alpine Loop up in uh, Ure, Colorado. That's oh. really only accessible by four-wheel drive. And uh, just camping out up there and watching the sunrise. Uh, absolutely. It's like the Swiss Alps in North America. It was absolutely stunning. And that's been my favorite trip so far. So, uh, so the first, like around the first of September, we're going to go to Durango and drive the million dollar highway. I, I obviously won't be able to do the four wheel drive loop, but that highway they say is just absolutely beautiful. So that when we first leave in the bus again, we're going to head towards Ore and, and check out the million dollar highway. Yeah. It's fun to just hop in the truck and just, you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know where you're going to camp. Sure. When when we made that trip last week, we had no agenda. Like it was just yeah. kind of we're out for a week and we're just going to camp wherever. We'll grab a hotel when we need to. And those are the most fun adventures, just being yeah. spontaneous. Spontaneous yeah. is yeah. the best. That's awesome, dude. So I admire you guys for because I now that's before we go. One one question. So many people are like, man, I want to have the life. How do you get? How do you break free from the rat race? And have the courage to go out and get a bus and live the lifestyle that you do. Because I look up to it. And when I, as I transition from the military, I'm designing my life now so I can do what it is that you guys are doing. But so many people, and even myself, I probably could have done this 10 years ago. Everybody can. Everybody can, right? But what advice would you give someone to help them break free from the rat race to be able to do what you guys are doing? Number one is know what you want. We did not exactly know what we wanted, even though we had everything we wanted. So the bus for us was freedom. It was our business. It was me and her being able to live and sleep and do all the things that we had created life for. But we kind of lost sight of that. And so when we settled down here, it was couches and TVs and weird shit. And the longer we stayed here, the more like it just felt like it, we, it wasn't right. You know what I mean? And, and the second that it was like, dude, we need to be back in the bus. We were both like, yes, true. Yes. Sell everything. <laughs> let's go. Like it's time. Now to we be. can't wait to get in there. <laughs> and so for me, you have to know what you want. Cause what we wanted was the life we had already created. We got caught looking for something else. Yeah. And what we were looking for was more money, more this, more that, more that. And what we found was less less, less, and less of what we were called to do, what we were meant to do. And so for me, number one is you have to know what you want. And the second answer I'm going to give, and nobody's going to like this, is the second that you can't or don't want to be at your job, in your marriage, at your place, or whatever, for another second, no matter how much they pay you, that is the day you leave. And when I got there with the railroad, I took a two month leave. We did a bunch of work on the bus in 2019 and then two months, it was like, okay, we're about to live in the bus. If we want to, the railroad had no clue that I was about to leave. You know, we were testing the waters, so to speak. The day I got back from them two month leave, I worked a 16 hour day in the middle of a blizzard in Denver building a bridge and it was completely awful. I had every piece of safety equipment on that you could imagine. And it was a horrible, horrible, horrible day of just drudgery. And I got back to the motel and I told her, I can't do this another fucking day. I don't care how much they pay me. 
And she said, cool, put your two weeks in. So I, it was ended up being about a month. But when you get to the point that it doesn't matter, like you're so miserable or you want to do something so bad, that's when you'll make that change. And so for me, I left a $100,000 a year job to have the life that I designed and that I built. And so knowing what you want and then going all in on it and doing it no matter the cost, because the payout for me, I've woke up next to a geyser that came out of the ground. We literally parked our bus 10 feet from a geyser. We've woke up in amazing places and done amazing shit that if I wouldn't have got tired doing what I was doing and just said, it doesn't matter what it costs, what's the value? Now my cost is experiences. It's I want a million experiences when I die and I don't want a fucking dollar in my bank account. I just, I want to be able to do and see everything that I want to, whenever I want to, wherever I want to go. And that is honestly how we got to where we are is them two steps. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Mine's basically the same. I would just say like, find what it is that makes you happy. And if like, if it's to travel, if it's to whatever, take the risks and go with all in on you because life is too short. Like we never know when our day is up. And so if you are living your life stuck in a rut where you hate what you're doing, you hate what's going on, you're, you're living a life of misery and it's not worth it. Find what makes you happy, figure out how you can make that work and go all in. And sometimes it requires taking big risks, big risks. but if you believe in yourself, if you believe in what it is that you want hard enough and you have full faith in it, go for it because everything will work itself out. It might be challenging. It might be, you know, hard some days, but if that is your ultimate goal, this is what you want. Shoot for the fucking moon and just do it because the happiness that comes with it is well worth all of it. hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great way to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Guys, where can people reach you? Team Johnson, uh, doing Johnson shit. Yeah. So uh, the best way would be through either one of our personal social medias, because um, then we have our businesses and stuff on them. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. I'll just send you the links so you can put them in there and people can chase them. Otherwise, I am the underscore Dustin Johnson on both Facebook and Instagram. And I am the Tanya Johnson. Yeah. On both of them. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can hit us up at vikingsandvixens.com. That's another way that you can reach us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for all my listeners, I'm going to encourage you all, the Do Hard Things community, to go follow you guys. You guys are uh, fantastic. I love what you guys are doing. And uh, thank you guys for taking the time to come on today's show. Yeah, do, do me a favor. If you are a friend of Jay's and you do come to follow, send me a message. That way we Thanks. can start a, a, a communication and networking. Some of my 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 least favorite parts of social media is, is I grow every single day, but most times I don't know where I found people at or where f- people found me at. And I enjoy that part of this journey. So if you're coming from Jay's network and all that, I want to know that way I can start being friends with you like I am Jay. It's amazing that the universe conspires and there's, you know, we're all on a journey. It's always interesting to find, you know, where you pick up people along the journey. And there's definitely a reason that we're all interconnected. There's a reason that we connected. And I think, you know, I think we had a powerful conversation today yeah. uh, that I think will 
inspire somebody to take action. I'm inspired by you guys. So I, I just appreciate you guys taking the time to be here. Thank, you. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you got some great value from that. If you did, please take a moment, subscribe, leave a review, and share it. Share it with someone that needs to hear this message. There are so many people out there that need to hear some positive messaging. If, you, if you're in tune with the world right now, you know that there's so much negativity out there. What we're trying to do here is just give some people some positive content, something that will help them, motivate them, inspire them to take control, live a better life, And if you found any value in this, please share it with someone, subscribe, leave us a review. And once again, we'll be doing an episode soon where we'll be doing uh, Ask Me Anything. If you have any burning questions for me about any topic, you can reach me at j at jtiegs.com, J-A-Y at J-A-Y-T-I-E-G-S.com. If you haven't connected with me yet, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, look up the Do Hard Things podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Reach out. Let's connect. And... Also, if you haven't joined the Facebook page, I drop a lot of additional motivation in there. And I will be doing, hosting some, some classes and some additional motivation content in there, maybe some behind the scenes stuff in the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We will see you in the next episode.